But at the same time, we need more people that don't just hike the trail and then they're done. We need people to stick around after they're through hikes to help preserve it. That I think is something that sometimes is missing where you know people will do their AT hike and then they'll just leave and kind of never look back. This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, where we talk to athletes, adventurers, and business owners from around the world of adventure sports. Whether you're climbing Mount Everest, starting a bike shop, or getting up off your couch to take your kids hiking for the first time, we want you to have the motivation and inspiration you need to chase that next adventure. The Adventure Sports Podcast is brought to you by Camp Crate, the leaders in fully planned self-guided backpacking adventures, as well as backpacking gear rental. You can check them out at campcrate.net. Hey folks, hope you had a good weekend. Uh, we definitely did with uh, Camp Crate. We were in a little uh, business competition and ended up ended up winning it, which is awesome. So if you want to find out more, just message us or something. I won't get into it here, but uh, today's episode is with Luke Strider Jordan, and Strider is his trail name, but he is here to talk about, one, his book, which is Through and Back Again, A Hiker's Journey on the North Country Trail, which is a coast-to-coast, like, dang, how long is it, like 4,500 miles or so through hiking trip that, like, two people have done? It's crazy. Um, We're talking about kind of the lesser-known through hikes in America. And there are a lot of them. And here's the thing, folks. You know, there's something really awesome about, you know, doing a through hike and the culture surrounding it and just meeting all the people doing the same thing. But there's once you get to a point where maybe and it depends on if you're this type of person as well. But something about being alone on trails can really, really feel it just feels more wild even you can be in the most beautiful wilderness in the world but if there's lots of people with you, you can really just change the experience it's totally different it's all about what you want and what you're expecting um, but we we have a theme that we're talking about in this show about uh when an experience is better than you think it is because of how isolated it is be maybe because of how uh how much of an anomaly you are out there I remember in all my bike travel, um, been to the most beautiful, like, uh, you know, bucket list bike touring destinations and, and rode through there. And I'll have to say like one of the most incredible experiences was biking across Nebraska. It took me and my friend about seven days and we encountered like tornado warnings. It was, uh, hot as can be, but then poured rain, but the people, were incredible and the scenery and the the sunrises and sunsets and literally just cornfields and deserts and and uh cornfields more in kansas but in iowa but uh man like like that that place i just had nothing i literally didn't even care about nebraska and then going across i was blown away by the experience um had to say that was probably one of my favorite parts of the trip that particular trip and so it's always these what might seem like mundane or, or less exciting places can often be a better experience because you know you might be the only person out there doing that, and so that that so adds to the experience. And if you've ever experienced that, you know exactly what we're talking about. But if you're if if you want to 
start out in adventure sports or through hiking, bike touring, paragliding, whatever you're doing, if you want to do those more, you know, well-known things first, that's a great way to get your foot in the door. And if you love that culture and, um, kind of the vibe around it and the atmosphere, then by all means, that's awesome. But we just start geeking out a little bit about really, really lesser known places. So the two trails that we're going to talking about mostly is the great plains trail, which is a, not a coast to coast, but North to South, South to North, um, trail right through the middle of the great plains, you know, from Texas to North Dakota. So it's, you know, parallel with the AT and the CDT, but just what seems like in the middle of cornfields and nothing. But, uh, Luke talks about how awesome it really was out there and as well as the, um, North country trail. So, Anyway, hope you enjoyed. Uh, today's sponsors are Athletic Brewing. They make non-alcoholic craft brewery or craft beer, and they are also the sponsors for our uh, adventure grant, which you can find that link in the show notes. We are giving away $1,000 on June 15th. The application deadline is April 1st through June 1st, so it's still got plenty of time. Apply, apply, apply. We're going to give somebody a thousand bucks for an adventure that they're doing this year. And we've had some cool entries so far, but man, it it, it, it does not have to be the biggest, craziest thing ever. Tell us what you're doing. We want to hear because if this is successful, we're going to do it even bigger next year and the next year. And we're going to try to everybody that inquires, we want to pay for their, or at least help pay for their trip. And so please apply. It'd be awesome. We love seeing these stories. Also, Aftershocks, they are headphones that don't go in your ear. Oops, sorry. My uh my phone just went off. <laughs> but Aftershocks, A F T E R S H O K Z. I think I spelled that right. There's definitely a Z in there. And yeah, they don't go in your ear, so it's a safe way to train. So you can ride a bike, you can trail run, and you can still hear everything around you and still listen to this podcast, which is the only thing you're allowed to listen on there. You can save fifty dollars off a bundle. Go to our go to our show notes. Also, with Athletic Brewing, you can save, uh, I think, fifteen percent off. That code is also in our show notes. And then also, we have a new sponsor, which is Sway Hammocks. They are insulated hammocks. It's like having a, a and they have a rainfly over them, so it's like a tent, sleeping bag, and a sleeping pad all in one, in hammock form. So you never get that cold butt like you would in in other hammocks that aren't insulated on the bottom. All right. Let's get into this episode and hear about these crazy long, crazy desolate through hikes right here in America. All right, everybody, welcome to the show. Today we have Luke Strider Jordan, who has done... Some of the coolest through hikes. I, everyone's heard of the AT, the PCT, and probably even the CDT, the Continental Divide Trail. But have you ever heard of the North Country Trail, the Great Plains Trail, or the Pacific Northwest Trail? Well, Jordan has done all those. So I'm not Jordan. Luke has done all those. <laughs> Luke, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Awesome. Yeah. So where are you coming from today? I am in Grand Rapids, Michigan, where we've had some icy weather the past couple of days. Oh, no kidding, man. Now, is that is that where you're from and you're based out of now? 
Uh, yeah, I'm from Minnesota originally. Uh, I moved here about three years ago for the job where I now actually work for the North Country Trail. Oh, really? Yeah. That... Yep, it turned into a job for me. So hiking a trail turned into a job with with uh, the did, hiking yes. organization. Holy cow. Yeah, which is which is pretty rare. I think it happened because it was specifically the North Country Trail. And I had kind of a unique knowledge that uh, none of the other applicants had. Um, so that kind of gave me an edge, I think. Wow, that is... That that's inspiring though. I, there, I know there's a lot of young people out there that are wanting to do something, but to even know that's a, even a remote possibility is pretty cool. What how that is so cool that it worked out for you. I, I, that makes me very happy to hear that you were able to share that knowledge and build on that um, by putting in the work of doing the trail, which probably not a ton of people do. Yeah, very true. I feel I feel pretty blessed. Well, cool, man. So you say you're from Minnesota. Can you go into like, uh, you know, what, what was your childhood like and, and how did you get into adventure sports? Sure. Uh, so I grew up uh, a little bit west of Minneapolis, kind of right on the edge of the suburbs uh, on a, a smaller beef cattle farm. Um, so that's kind of the environment I was raised in, grew up working on the farm, um, became interested in the outdoors, mainly I credit my my parents for that. When I was young, they used to take us up uh, camping at a lot of the state parks, specifically along the North Shore of Lake Superior in Minnesota. Um, so I got a lot of experience camping and just doing like little hikes. And then as I got a little bit older, um, it started to get really hard to get like a campsite without an advanced reservation, like months in advance. So my parents decided like, hey, we come up here so much. Let's try and find a little little spit of land for our own that we don't have to worry about that. So they spent about a year looking and found a little 10-acre parcel uh, in uh, kind of inland from the lake a little ways and ended up purchasing it. We built a little tiny cabin on that 10 acres kind of in the middle of nowhere. And it just so happens that the Superior Hiking Trail crosses the uh, the road close to our driveway. So that's kind of how I discovered that little bit of nature and deci- decided to start doing hikes on that with the goal of eventually hiking the whole thing. Well, then when I got to college, you know, I'd been using that trail for years just kind of as uh, a couple shorter overnight hikes, like maybe three or four days here and there, and decided to volunteer to get back to the trail because at the time they were working on filling in one of the last gaps. And so I signed up and went up there for the weekend. And one of the volunteers there informed me that it was actually part of the much bigger North Country Trail, which I had never heard of. And as soon as I got home, got on the computer, did a little bit of research and found that, holy crap, you can walk from North Dakota to Vermont. And uh, if if the rest of this trail is half as good as this you know, Superior Hiking Trail, it's just going to be an awesome trip. Um, so that that's kind of how I ended up doing that through hike. Um, and it, it all kind of has its its roots in just like my childhood growing up, uh, going on camping trips with my family. And then as I got into basically college i started doing a little bit more like solo backpacking trips for three or four days and uh, that kind of led me to where i am now because at the time i was planning on doing a through hike after i graduated but wasn't sure on which one exactly at the time i was thinking maybe the pct because at the time i had not yet heard about the north country trail but then when i found out about it i got super interested in it and got inspired to do it and so I committed to, no, I'm going to attempt the North Country Trail, which so far only three people had done. And the previous thru-hiker, a guy by the name of Nimblewell Nomad, most people know who he is. He's a very inspirational guy. Um, I stumbled upon his videos, and he kind of got the spark 
uh, going for me to actually attempt the North Country Trail as my first through hike. So that's what I committed to do. And I graduated in December of 2012 uh, from St. Cloud State University, had my bachelor's degree in natural resources and ecology, and decided just to ignore the pressure to get a job right away and instead have this awesome adventure. So I started in North Dakota in March and told myself I was going to walk as far as I could, basically. And that ended up being a pretty long way. It it did. Yeah. It took six and a half months at 25 miles a day on average. Holy cow. That That's that's a pretty good clip for, for a through hiker, uh, no matter what the terrain is. That mm-hmm. So, okay, it makes sense now why these lesser known trails appealed to you because you were introduced to them with the family cabin. Um, but yeah, what kept you from, uh, I don't know, the pressure of the big three in through hiking, the triple crown? Did you just... Was it just this personal connection and always having the goal of doing the North Country? And then then, then you moved on to some other trails and still kind of kept away from those mainstream ones. Was that just mm-hmm. kind of your niche at this point? Sort of, yeah. Um, so it's kind of, there's several answers to this question. The first one is kind of the personal connection to it. Being from Minnesota, having a national scenic trail that goes through my own state and at the time, I still had not seen several parts of Minnesota, so I thought it's, it'd be a good way to see most of it. I, I, I still say today the, the best way to see America is on foot, basically. Um, it's, mm. You can go places you can't go in your vehicle. And uh, so I decided that was one factor that kind of led into it. Another one was the fact that it was so little known. Um, and part of me was I wanted to have a, a solitude experience to give me time to kind of re- reflect on where my life had led to at that point and kind of because after graduation I had kind of a vague idea what I wanted to do with it but didn't have anything specific and I was hoping that the trail would kind of help me give me time to think and find more focus which it did Um, and so I kind of wanted time just to be on my own and to kind of figure things out so I wanted a trail with solitude and even then I knew like okay if you want solitude the Appalachian Trail is probably not the best one to do first if that's what you're looking for. Um, which is why I was like, okay, so the, the Pacific Crest Trail might have a, a fewer people on it. Maybe I'll do that. But then I, I heard about the North Country, saw that only three people had through-hiked it. And uh, so the, the solitude factor as well was kind of a big, a big factor. And part of that was also the desire to have kind of a unique experience and a unique story uh, from you know the, the people that have hiked the, the big three. Um, and it also inspired me to while I was out there to kind of share my story as I was going through these little communities, most of which didn't know the trail was even there and uh, <laughs> just kind of inform them that this amazing resource, like you can, you can walk a trail twice as long as the AT and it's right in your backyard, you know, go use it. Um, so I kind of took the opportunity being the first hiker that did it kind of since social media had become popular using that as a tool to promote the trail while I was out there as well. So kind of, those are all kind of factors that led into that decision. And the North Country was the the first one for you. It was, yes. What was that like in the sense of what did you expect it to be? And then what was it in reality? Was it more exciting, more mundane? How would you reflect on it? Yeah, so at the time, you know, the longest longest trip I'd ever taken before this was six days in Isle Royale. That was kind of my, my mm. test for the hike. So I was still a very inexperienced backpacker and so i was really a rookie and i was i had i honestly had doubts in my abilities that i would even make it but i told myself that i was going to give it my my best shot and do what i could to succeed and i really didn't know what to expect going out of it i just i planned as much as i possibly could and tried to have a backup plan you know if i got into trouble or something i wanted to know 
the trail. And that was one of the disadvantages to having that as a first through hike is so few people had done it that there were no resources really. So I had to really dig deep in my research to find all the information I needed. And I spent a year and a half prepping for just kind of finding all the information and then sorting through it all. Um, that, that includes like how reliable are the water sources? Where can I get, you know, resupply drops? Where are all the difficult or troublesome sections of the trail? How do I plan to get around those if there's issues? Um, so that was, that, that kind of la- uh, added an extra layer of difficulty as far as just planning. And, but, you know, as most hikers will know, planning for the trip is almost as fun as actually doing it, sometimes even more fun. And so I really, I really enjoyed kind of seeing what I was going to be experiencing, but it's, it rarely is the same once you're actually out there. And there were parts of it that I wasn't looking forward to nearly as much as others, but overall it was a very, very positive experience and way better than I could have ever hoped for. I got so much generosity, um, get to tour me by, you know, trail angels and many of the volunteers that actually helped to maintain the trail. And I wasn't expecting, you know, even half of what I received. Um, so it was a very, it was a very humbling experience and, uh, life-changing in many, many ways. And it was, it was better than I think I could have ever hoped it to be. Wow. And I, and I'm sure you got a lot more solitude than any of the, the, the main trails. Absolutely. I, I would often go days without seeing a person. Usually, um, in the middle of the summertime, you know, weekends, I see people, I see people on certain sections that go out for a hike, like after work or whatever. Yeah, I only encountered three people that were doing more than a hundred miles. Um, so no other like long distance hikers even. So I was, I was pretty much on my own the whole time, uh, which is kind of what I was looking for. I was kind of just looking to enjoy the trail just by itself and not have, you know, kind of the masses of people that are on some of the other trails. Man, that is so cool. I, I, I did a part, I did a section of the AT in college over Christmas break. And on Christmas Eve, I remember it was snowing, it was terrible weather. And I bet I saw a hundred people that day, despite oh, wow. the weather, despite the, you know, the kind of quote off season, there was still tons of people out. And when we got to a little lean to there was still 15 20 people camping there for the night it was mind-blowing i can't imagine in the summer just how many people there's going to be and continue to it's great but so you said this trail the north country trail is 4600 miles it is yeah it's basically mileage wise it's yeah it's like walking the Appalachian trail twice mileage wise but on top of that though like the the terrain is obviously a little bit more forgiving um i mean there are there are parts of it that are in mountainous environments but it's not constant so it's kind of it's definitely not flat but it's relatively flat compared to some of the other trails um because even like here in michigan they, they still call us flatlanders here but there is quite a bit of terrain lots of ups and downs but it's, you're not going up thousands of feet like you are on the east or the west coast um right. but i mean so after a while you know even me being a rookie at the time it only took maybe a week and a half to get my trail leg so to speak which is one of the reasons why I started in North Dakota. It was because I was inexperienced. I didn't think starting in the Adirondack Mountains was the best idea, especially in wintertime. So walking the relatively flat section of North Dakota first, it gave me a chance to kind of warm up to doing longer mile days. And after about a week and a half of that that prep, it was really easy at that point to kind of get in 25 miles a day, uh, as long as the train wasn't too steep. And, you know, once you get a ways into it, it felt weird to kind of to stop short. You know, I had a couple of days where I only did like 15 or 18 and it felt weird to stop. Like I, I wanted to keep going at that point. Um, so as long as, as long as you get into a, a rhythm, your, your body can adjust pretty well to doing high mile days. 
Was it difficult to find the trail in places with so few people doing it? Uh, there were a couple spots. For the most part, the trail is very well marked and maintained. Uh, Blue Blazes mark it along the entire the entire length. Uh, minus some of the, the roadwalks, um, they typically only blaze those if they're pretty short. And But otherwise, there's only a couple spots I can think of. One of them was kind of the western part of the Upper Peninsula was kind of rough. And that was just because it's so remote. And obviously, most of the work is done by volunteers. And being in an area that is so remote, it's hard to get the whole thing clear at any one time because you have to walk in so far with your tools and stuff. Um, so at one point I just, I kind of lost the trail up there and had to bushwhack for like 13 miles, but that only happened once. Um, there's some parts of Southern Ohio that kind of had the same thing where it was kind of remote, kind of in the foothills of the Appalachians down there. Um, kind of hard to keep those sections clear. Um, but very few blazing issues. It, it was pretty well, pretty well marked, pretty easy to follow. And having the maps definitely helps with that too. And, um, but yeah, for, so for the most part, it was, it was very easy to stay on track and just kind of went for a, a pleasure, pleasurable stroll through the woods. So did you stop by your cabin? I did actually. <laughs> I, I ended up base camping out of there for like a week cause it happened to overlap with Memorial day weekend when I happened to be in that area. And so my family came up for a couple of days while I was going through there and I did uh slack packing for a couple of days. Uh, so they'd, they'd pick me up at, you know, a random road crossing at the end of the day and then drop me off there in the morning after spending the night at the cabin. I just kind of filled in that section doing that. Um, but otherwise, like besides, besides that one time at the cabin and very early on in North Dakota, uh, for about a week, I was pretty much unsupported beyond that. Athletic Brewing is pioneering non-alcoholic craft beer. Yeah, I said non-alcoholic craft beer. And there's a number of reasons you might want to do that. Whether you're training for an event, which a lot of our listeners are, or you know, if, you, if you're babysitting and don't want to be drunk in case something happens. I mean, stuff happens, but you still want to sit down and enjoy the game and have a beer. This is an incredible option for a full-flavored, full-bodied beer. Each can is only 50 to 70 calories with IPA, golden ales, stouts, and tons of seasonal offerings. Athletic Brewing is a great option if you want that craft brewery taste, uh, but not deal with the effects of alcohol itself. Uh, If you'd like to save 15% on your first order, go to athleticbrewing.com and use the code ADVENTURE at checkout. Something about solitude makes the experience so much better. I, I've been to some of the most beautiful places, like like as far as scenery, drama, and it's crowded, and it's less of an, an experience than something extremely mundane in comparison with no one else there. Absolutely. So I can't imagine how awesome this trail was for you. And it wasn't your last time. You You, you went and did the Great Plains Trail after that, right? Yeah, I did. So, so what is that one? Because that's that's just another one that I've I've never heard of these trails before. You mentioned them. Yeah, so I'll give a little bit of a quick background on that. So the north the north country actually many people have not heard of it, but it was actually the fourth one that was designated as a national scenic trail. That was back in 1980. Wow. Um, so after it was the first one after the CDT that was added to the system, um, and it's just I think it's just lesser known because you know the Appalachian Trail was there first, and there's a whole lot more you know, traffic on the other ones. Um, yeah. so I, it's, we still have a long way to go as far as getting it on people's radar. 
Um, and so after that, I kind of liked the idea of doing these kind of lesser known, more more remote, so to speak, trails with, with less people on them. And while I was out there on the North Country Trail, at the very end, I had the chance to meet Ron Strickland. He's the founder of the Pacific Northwest Trail. And uh, he heard about my adventure, and so he actually came out to meet me because he was living in Massachusetts at the time. And so I finished actually in Vermont where the Long Trail meets the Appalachian Trail. I kind of did a four-day extension, um, and he came out to hike those last couple miles with me. And he's actually behind this idea called the Sea to Sea Route, which is basically the goal is to hike from the Atlantic Ocean to the Pacific Ocean using all established trails. And the North Country Trail is like 65% of that route. And one of the only gaps is between the end of the North Country Trail in North Dakota and where the PNT starts in Glacier National Park in Montana. There's about a 700-mile gap there where there's no trail. So he kind of got this idea in my head that I someday wanted to hike beyond the North Country and eventually do the C2C route in pieces. And so the next hike on my list was going to be the Pacific Northwest Trail, but I hit a little roadblock as far as you know the timing of my life turned out to be. Um, I was working an internship at the time. Like As soon as I got off the trail, I applied for an internship that eventually turned into my current job. And it had an expiration date of the end of 2015. So the original plan was I was going to be unemployed in 2016. And I remembered during my research for the North Country Trail that I heard about this thing called the Great Plains Trail. At the time, it was brand new. It just came into existence in 2012 when the Great Plains Trail Alliance uh, got their paperwork in. Um, and so it's, it's been a really new concept, but I remember that that trail just intrigued me because again, it was that, that sense of solitude and the sense of having a unique experience that not really anybody's had. And so I started researching that as well. And I came up with the idea that, you know, the Great Plains Trail is going to someday fill in part of that gap between North Dakota and Montana. So it has a part to play in the eventual establishment of the sea to sea route. So I came up with the idea, okay, what if I hike both these trails back to back in one year? I can start in Texas where the Great Plains Trail starts, hike to the Canadian border, and then just head west until I hit the, the PNT, hike that all the way to the ocean. And I did the math. Both trails combined would be about 4,000 miles, which is still less than the, the NCT was. So I was like, okay, I'll just do another long through hike. But then as I was about 80% of the way done with the planning, I got a message from uh, my boss at the time. And he's like, hey, we have a vacancy to fill in our current staffing. Do you want to apply for it? You have a pretty good shot. And so obviously I couldn't say no to an opportunity like that. So I applied, but worked out a deal with him since I'd already spent all this time planning that I was able to take three months off in the spring to essentially do the first part of that bigger trip. So I had to put the PNT on hold for the time, ended up doing the Great Plains Trail as kind of the first leg of that initial plan. So I started in Texas on Valentine's Day, 2016, and hiked the next three months doing, again, kind of 25 miles a day, and eventually finishing at the Canadian border in North Dakota. And that was, that one I really had no idea what to expect. Um, over the, the previous year, I, I called up Steve Myers, who's the founder of the Great Plains Trail Alliance, and kind of, he and I kind of talked through, you know, planning, because at, at the time, no map really existed. All I had was a vague idea of some of the spots that they wanted to connect with this trail. So the first thing I did was kind of put all those spots on a Google map and then started figuring out, you know, where are any existing trails that connect some of these spots together. And then he and I did weekly phone calls where every Wednesday we'd spend an hour going through parts of the trail. And by the end of that year, I ended up mapping the entire thing. And I used that as basically my route to, to through hike 
or attempt the first ever through hike of that trail. And that's kind of what they needed at the time. The Great Plains Trail was kind of having, I don't want to say trouble, but they weren't having enough um, they weren't having enough exposure to get people interested in, you know, volunteering and helping out. And so we thought that having somebody attempt to through hike it would be potentially a big leap forward into putting it on people's radar. So I kind of did it also for my own experience, but also to help them pursue their mission of establishing basically another national scenic trail, but through the Great Plains. And I really didn't know what to expect, but that one was so much, it was so much more enjoyable than I ever could have thought it could be because of just the sheer amount of surprising scenery out there, particularly in like Western Nebraska. There's some amazing things that people don't know is there because most people only see I-80 and that's it. They never really venture off too much. Um, and then particularly like South Dakota goes right through the, the Black Hills, which is amazing world-class scenery there. Also where a lot of the existing trail is. So overall, there were a couple spots that were, yeah, they were kind of boring where you're just kind of walking through flat for several days on roads. But overall, very positive experience, very surprising amount of trail magic as well. I did the math afterwards. I encountered between 50 and 60 people, which if you kind of do the math, it's one every other day or so, which is pretty awesome for a trail that doesn't really exist yet. Um, so definitely kind of blew me out of the water as far as just the experience I was expecting to have versus the one I actually got. It turned out much, much better again than I ever could have hoped. That is really cool. And I'm looking at a map of like America's trails, which there's tons. I, the Great Plains Trail is still not on here. Is there yeah, a, it'll probably be a while for it. Is. Be a while. Okay. But man, that is crazy. So, but, but the trail is physically there for you, for you to be able to follow? Uh, yeah, part of it is there. So it is still very, very young. You know, only since 2012 does it exist. And the map didn't exist until the end of 2016, basically. And most of what's there is roadwalk right now. Uh, obviously, the, the end goal is to get it to be all or mostly off-road trail. But even so, um, I did the math, and over 400 miles of it does exist, which comes out to about 18% of the route is actual hiking, off-road, hikeable trail. And most of that is in the northern half. So what we've kind of done, I'm actually on the board of directors now. I joined after my, my hike to kind of help them with my experience with the North Country Trail. And so we actually have kind of a prioritized area where we're actually working on developing new stretches of trail. And that's kind of like halfway through Nebraska and all of South Dakota and the kind of the southern part of North Dakota where a lot of the trail already exists. We're trying to fill in those gaps to make a long or as long as possible of a continuous stretch that people to kind of start off to kind of showcase what the the eventual full trail could be. Um, so basically from like an area of Scotts Bluff, Nebraska, north to uh, north of the Black Hills away. That's kind of, we have like a 300 mile section that we're kind of focusing development efforts on. Um, that is actually turning out to be, we're actually getting some some interest in people that want to at least tackle that section, which is really cool to see. And it's not it's not marked in any official way yet, but we're working on it. We're also working on a data book of sorts for that, that 300 mile section. And hopefully sometime in the next year, maybe two uh, trail markers will start popping up on at least those off-road sections that already exist. Wow. It, it almost follows, it's almost parallel to like the Continental Divide Trail, just like, I don't know, 300 miles east, maybe more. Yeah. Yep. That's about right. The closest it gets 
is uh, Denver. So if you wanted to, oh. you could actually link to the CDT via the Colorado Trail. If you wanted to get off the Great Plains Trail, you could, you could do that as an option. No way. Yeah. So, wow, this is like cutting edge in American trail networks, what you guys are doing. <laughs> uh, sort of, yeah, sort of. It's just, you know, th- this one guy, Steve, he had an idea and decided to pursue it and give it a shot. He found some like-minded people that supported his vision. And then he and I just happened to, uh, I, I think, just fate brought us together. And I decided to, you know, tackle his trail and ended up making it. And I've kind of made that my mission now. Every every year I make a trip out there to the trail and give a couple talks. I've done a couple in Rapid City and a couple in Scotts Bluff. And next on my list is to get the population of Denver interested. So I'm planning a trip out there at some point to give more talks um, to try and get the the nearby populations involved and interested in it because then they can start developing new sections of trail, which would be great. Yeah. And also it's different from some of the the existing trails in the sense that it's intended for multiple users. Uh, so all not motorized, but the idea is to, at least on most of it, allow mountain bikes and horseback riders as well. So you'll have the advantage of multiple user groups being interested and able to help out with it as well, which I think is a selling point. Cause that's one thing I expected when I was out there, you know, I was probably the first guy in a, a backpack that a lot of these people have seen on their, their back roads. And so they were obviously wow. cautiously suspicious, I would think. But, you know, after they found out what I was doing, I was surprised that I didn't get any like negative feedback from any of the locals I met. When I told them about the idea of the trail, they were actually pretty receptive to at least hearing about it. And I think a big selling point was that it wasn't a hiking only trail. They'd be able to to one day bring their horses on it, too. That's really cool. And and I I have a bike packing background and, uh, you know, it is always an advantage when a trail allows for bike packing. Um, mm-hmm. that's off road, especially like, uh, the great divide mountain bike trail is awesome with the uh, adventure cycling association. And that's Colorado trail allows bikes. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there, I think the great plains trail would be perfect for that because, you know, it makes resupply easier. It makes, you could do it pretty quickly, relatively speaking, but still, absolutely. I've been across the country a number of times, and I'd have to say one of the probably the most underrated state I went through in all my travels was Nebraska. Like you were yep. saying, it Western Nebraska was a, a gym, a hidden gem of of my trips. Absolutely, I, I love it out there. It is incredible. Same same with Kansas. I really enjoyed biking across Kansas. Once you get off the interstates, it's a fascinating place. It is, and a, a lot of people never get a chance to see it because they get they drive on the freeway, and like that's their impression of Kansas. So they really have no desire to go back. Yeah. But if you get off on some of these these back roads and see some of the cool rock formations and some of the canyons that are out there, and in the case of Nebraska, a forest that nobody knows is there, um, it's it's pretty yeah. amazing. Now, did you get to do the Pacific Northwest? trail after that uh so i have not done it yet it's on, i was supposed to do it actually this year was my plan and then what happened was my boss ended up retiring so i kind of had to stick around another year while they fill his position to kind of keep the ship afloat for a while um but my plan is to do it next year summer of 2020 i'm going to finally do the pnt and kind of finish up um the western part of the c2c route so my plan actually is to start at lake Sagagawea in north dakota hike the gap and the PNT in one go. And then the the last link will be eventually to do the Appalachian trail, but then hike up into Canada and to the ocean in Quebec. And then that'll be the end of the route. Unbelievable. Now, now that trail looks like it will be 
huge or should yeah. be. It is, I'm looking at, I mean, it, it, it's the coast of Olympic National Park to Glacier with yep. going through, in my opinion, the most underrated national park is North Cascades to me. It is mm-hmm. stunning. It is scenery better than any, I, in my opinion, anything we have here in Colorado, and hardly anyone ever talks about it. And you were hiking. It, it is point to point two of the coolest places in the whole country, and everything in between is just stunning. That looks awesome. That looks yeah, awesome. I wanted to do it ever since you know Ron told me about it, and uh, I, I've I've been sad that I haven't had the opportunity yet, and that's 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 one of the downsides of you know finally kind of settling in and getting a job is that it limits your your opportunities to get out as much, uh, which for me it happens to be, and it's been an average of once every three years since I did the, the North Country. Because uh, I did the North Country in 2013, the Great Plains is 2016. Mm-hmm. So 2020 will be a year off of that that timeline, but pretty close. Um, so so far, that's kind of been the pattern: an average of every three years or so, I get a through hike in. So have you ever tried to go hammock camping but suffered from CBS? Not sure what that is. Well, it's cold butt syndrome. And that used to be a problem, but it's not anymore with Sway Hammocks. They are insulated hammocks founded by Seth Hill that encase you in 800 fill down, keep you warm at night. And with the Sway Hammock, you get it all. You get straps, rain fly, the hammock itself is insulated. But not only that, it saves you a lot of weight. Have you ever added up the weight of a sleeping bag, a pad, and a tent? Well, with Sway, you have all that in one for 3.5 pounds of awesome warmness. You can find out more at Sway Hammocks, which is S-W-A-Y-Y hammocks.com and enter adventure for 20% off your hammock today. And that is also in the show notes. This episode is sponsored by Aftershocks. They are headphones with bone conducting technology. So they rest in front of your ears, not inside your ears like most headphones. And the benefit is they keep your ears free. I would have felt so much safer on my bike trips if I would have had these. But, you know, I'm on the bike for 12 hours. I'm not going to not listen to something. So I did put myself at risk a lot. And I would highly recommend something that allows you to keep your ears free and be able to listen to this show or music if you choose that. But come on, you want to listen to this show. They have a six-hour battery life awesome audio quality and you can get $50 off the Trex Air Adventure Bundle or the Trex Titanium Adventure Bundle at asp.aftershocks.com and that is also in the show notes. The C2C route, is this the same C2C route that Andrew Skirka did? Yes. Yep. So he okay. did it all in one go. He's one of only two people that's done it that way. Um, unfortunately for me, I never, I never had the, at the time I didn't have the vision to do that whole thing. Otherwise I might've maybe attempted it. Um, so for me, it'll be, it'll be an adventure in, in four parts. Wow. Yeah. Now we just interviewed him, um, about his life and, and his, basically we didn't talk about the trails cause like he's talked about them so much, but we ended mm-hmm. up talking about like his life since all this and how he's trying oh he's built a successful career but how you know difficult that is and yeah man he was saying the same thing you are like he you know he runs a little guiding company now he's got a house and a cat and a wife and it's like 
he's like, I, I, I have to go furniture shopping. And so it's just funny how even these like legends of this sport and this uh, discipline, you know, it's life. You get older and responsibilities happen. And even the best of the best have to be very, very particular about the time off that they can carve out now. Um, which was encouraging, you know, because you think someone like him just will have the amount of any amount of time and money he needs and wants to go do something with sponsorships or whatever. But no, it's not the case. Yeah. We're all not in always. the same boat no. together. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's so cool that you're an advocate for this. Um, what What is your kind of passion behind this? What do you want to see happen with these trails and how can we get people involved? Yeah, that's kind of a, it's a complicated question. And having, you know, being somebody that's wor- actually worked for a trail for the past, mm-hmm. uh, going on five years now, there's really no easy answer. Um, I've had a, a chance to kind of step back and look a little bit about how the climate around trails is kind of changing. Um, I think we're on the verge of another backpacking boom, if not there already, um, which is actually a good thing. I think the more people we get using the trails, there'll be more long-term support yes. for that. But at the same time, we need more people that, don't just hike the trail and then they're done. We need people to stick around after they're through hikes to help preserve it. That I think is something that sometimes is missing um, where, you know, people will do their AT hike and then they'll just leave and kind of never look back Um, where we we need people to stick around as volunteers, as advocates and share their stories and um, you know, maybe adopt a section to maintain it on whatever trail is closest to you. That's kind of the, the first step is preservation. I think of what we already have. Um, and then eventually over time kind of expanding it as opportunities arrive. Um, one thing that I've been concerned of is, um, you know, kind of future generations losing interest in the trails and national parks. And so kind of where, where the passion came for me was that, uh, for sure, you know, by the time I die, I wanted at least, you know, my direct descendants to be able to enjoy what I did. And so part of the passion just came from the desire to, protect national parks and protect, protect these open spaces. Cause even though it's just a trail, uh, you know, a lot of the trails are doing this now where they're not just protecting the actual trail itself, but the view shed, anything you can see from the trail, uh, you know, like the Pacific crest trail is, is buying up all these mountain valleys that you can see. And I think that's wow. really, really vital. Cause you know, someday as, as population grows and kind of priorities change one day, a lot of the green space could be gone. And if all that remains is these trails, um, I think that that would be a huge, uh, it, it might be people's last escape, uh, you know, maybe a hundred years from now to kind of see more wild spaces. And that's kind of the idea behind this Great Plains Trail too, is it's not only a recreational asset in an area that doesn't yet have one, but someday, you know, people might devalue the the plains more than they already do. And it might all eventually get plowed up for, you know, regular crop rotation. But, you know, if we had this trail, and we purchase, you know, a mile wide corridor, at least that little strip of native prairie will be there forever. And that's kind of the idea behind what most of these trails I think are striving for is long term perpetual protection of just the corridor. That's more than just the trail, but everything around the trail. Um, and so my, my passion is kind of in line with that, about just making sure that it survives the test of time. You know, that's a, that's a really good point, because I, I think a lot of people, especially day users or, or weekend warriors and, and people that even do a through hike once, they assume that all this is just kind of there. Like no one's working yeah. towards these these rights and these uh, these conservation efforts. But mm-hmm. there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people behind the fact that you can simply walk on that trail and not see anything like it takes 
tons of advocating and work and money. And yeah, I, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a problem in the future for sure. I mean, I think I heard the stat that two thirds of the country, so about 200, over 200 million people live within a day's drive of somewhere along the Appalachian trail. Yep. And that is nuts, but you go and experience it. Even if it's busy, it's still an awesome experience. And so as the population continues to grow out West, we have kind of a head start to make sure that we fix and and prepare for everything that those trails on the East coast have seen for the last, honestly, a couple hundred years, the, the, the amount of growth and the amount of development, and you can still have a great experience. I think, I think, uh, this would be really cool to see from, from right now, infancy of the trail. That is incredible. Wow. Yeah. Are there any other trails that you know of that are kind of developing that are going to be on this scale or or close to it that, that are maybe in the very, very beginning stages? Um, not that I'm aware of directly. I've heard a couple, um, you know, kind of fun ideas. Some, uh, make more sense than others. Um, and some of these are kind of, you know, they, they superimpose onto existing trails as much as possible. One example I can think of is uh, this Bigfoot trail on the West Coast um, that I actually listened to a podcast, uh, The Trail Show, did an episode on a couple years ago. And it sounds like a great a great hike. And I think it, it goes through, you know, parts of California and Oregon and uh, follows the PCT at some point for a short distance. And that is one an example where I, I think most of it is already existing and they, they've kind of put their label on it and kind of took control of maintenance and stuff like that. Other ones like the Great Plains Trail where you're starting from scratch, I think are more rare. Um, but I, I'm sure they're out there, uh, probably on a smaller scale because this is almost, that, that trail is right now is 2,200 miles long. It's, it's likely to grow. So it's just the same mileage as the AT, but just in a different part of the country. Um, but I'm sure, they're, I'm sure they're out there somewhere. And all it takes is one person to have an idea and just for the idea to get enough traction to actually turn into a thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm I'm curious as just logistically, I wonder if anyone will ever come up with a, a loop through hike that's a couple thousand miles so that people can not necessarily hike back to their car, but it might make it a little easier. <laughs> you can, yeah, absolutely. Your car can't necessarily sit in a, a parking lot for six months but (laughs) yeah but so so what's on your bucket list after the pacific northwest what else would you like to do that that you keep in your mind yeah so i have uh, i have a long list of trails i'd eventually like to do it's just one of those things as time and money allows um pnt is definitely first on the list um i have a desire to do the ozark trail someday i want to do the appalachian trail someday and i think eventually i'll do all the the triple crowns some of the more obscure ones um, I want to do the American Discovery Trail someday. I think that that looks mm-hmm. pretty awesome, hiking mm-hmm. coast to coast. Um, that one's kind of unique too, because as far as I know, they really they're kind of in that same boat where I don't think they've ever built any like just American Discovery Trail. It's mostly co- uh, combining existing trails together in a cohesive way as possible. Um, so that's another trail that kind of takes that that model. Um, another one is I do have a desire to one day go to Europe, um, do some backpacking over there. I want to do the Tiarora in New Zealand at some point. Um, so my, my list is pretty long. It's just a matter of prioritizing whenever I get an opportunity about which one it's going to be. Um, so I kind of have like a priority list, like these are the top three and then all the others I'll get to whenever kind of thing. Um, but yeah, there's like maybe 15 or 16 trips I eventually want to do of varying lengths and complexity. Right, right. Well, man, if you ever end up doing or when you end up doing some of the more known through hikes, I'd love to hear your perspective afterwards of, 
starting out with these super remote, really long trails to going to basically the the Disneyland of through hiking. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely I'm definitely curious what my experience on the AT is going to be like after at that time having three lesser travel trails under my, my belt and two of which I was the only person on the entire trail the whole time. That is um, the PNT gets a little more traffic. They have like between 20 and 30 through hikers a year, I, I think from what I hear, but even that's a, a small fraction of what the AT would be. So I'm, I'm really, I'm kind of n- nervous about what that experience does to me when I finally get to it. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. And, and honestly, man, I, that PNT, I mean, it, that looks awesome. It's shorter, which means more people could probably squeeze it in like time wise yeah. and money wise. So I imagine that thing's going to grow big time just because of its, uh, it looks very potent with scenery and with exciting stuff, if that makes sense. Absolutely. It blows my mind. Only 30 people are doing it a year, but yeah, that that's the the rough number. I think, I think most of them make it from what I understand. Yeah. And it is shorter. It, it takes, um, you know, the average person about three months to do that. That's just cause you know, the terrain is so intense. Yeah. Uh, 1200 miles. Imagine. You're starting at like 10,000 feet in glacier and you're finishing at zero or vice versa. Right. Um, and so you're, you're crossing every single valley and peak in between, um, which is just crazy. And then you have, you have the, the constant threat of, you know, wildfires and stuff like that too, that can cause delays or even closures. And most, you know, most PC type PCT hikers know what that's like. Many of them get towards the end and have to deal with fire closures and stuff like that. True. Yep. That's always an issue always, especially, especially in California. If you're going there. Yeah. Um, well, man, Luke, I, thank you so much for joining us. It, when you come out to Denver, let us know. We're based in Denver. And oh, perfect. We're connected. We know out, owners outdoor shops. We'd love to get you in and speak into some groups that could that could draw a crowd and get people excited. Oh, perfect. Yeah, I'm actually going to be um, – it might not happen this year, but hopefully before I take off on a hike next year, I want to spend a week um, doing a couple scouting projects. What I could do is actually get some help, um, you know, finding somebody interested to, to host me. I haven't quite gotten that far yet in the in the planning. Um, so yeah, if you have any ideas, let's uh, let's talk later. About yeah, that. absolutely. That'd be sweet. When do you think this would be? Later in the summer or? Um, it could be year? either like very end of this year, so like in the fall sometime, okay. or probably late spring of next year. Perfect. Yeah, we can definitely figure something out for you. Awesome. All That'd right. be great. Yeah, just stay in touch about that. All right. Yeah, I'd love, I'd love to get the word out there about this and seeing that the Great Plains Trails, we're, we're pretty close right here in Denver to parts of it. It'd be yep. just awesome to get this community involved. So, Yeah, um, you're, see the, the Cherry Creek Trail is part of it. You're pr- very close to that. The South Platte River Trail is a section oh, yeah. of it. Um, the trail through Castlewood Canyon State Park is on the Great Plains Trail route. Um, and then if you go a little bit northeast of there, um, Jackson Lake State Park is kind of one of the few places to camp along, alongside of the trail. Oh, um, wow. So, yeah, there's there's definitely some opportunities for some um, some near future, either putting signs up or, you know, scouting possible new routes for the trail in that area. So like, we're always cool. looking for volunteers and people that want to get involved. Awesome. Very cool. We'll, we'll stay in touch about that. I, that would be really exciting for us to, to help you out with. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, cool. Well, yeah. Thank you so much for being on and, and talking about this and, and uh, keep up the good work. Oh, thank you. And thank you for having me. I'm always happy to share my story and just kind of get my message across, just sharing that it's not just the AT. There's other options out there and they're the, uh, uh, many of them need, they need more love. Absolutely. And, and now would you just go, sorry, I totally forgot if you have time. Would you just talk about your book real quick? I totally forgot oh, yeah. to mention that. <laughs> I almost forgot. Yeah. So, um, 
while I was on the North Country Trail, I kept a journal and I was getting good feedback on it. People saying like, hey, your writing is pretty decent. You should consider turning this into a book. Wow. So you would post it like on a blog? Yeah. Okay. So at, at the time, it wasn't really intended to become a book, but I kind of ran with the idea and spent I spent about a year after I finished kind of putting, I kind of copy pasted the journals into a Word document and then slowly fleshed them out and kind of connected the pieces together to make it a more flowing narrative. And that, that book uh, took three years to finally get the final product ready to go, but it was published in 2017. And it's available on Amazon. Um, it's called Through and Back Again. And if you just type in uh, my name too, if you type in Luke Jordan, it'll come up. And it's it's uh, twelve bucks on there. It's pretty good. And there's also an ebook version available, and basically it chronicles uh, the uh, day in the life of an NCT through hiker. And kind of there's also a little bit of a, a prologue that kind of explains how the backpacking bug kind of bit me. And then there's an epilogue at the end that kind of talks a little bit about adjustment back to post-trail life and how some people struggle with that. And, uh, and then everything in the middle is all just like the day-to-day adventure and all the, the highlights and the lowlights and everything in between that made my experience what it was, for sure. Wow. Well, if it's straight from your journal and just written, oh, man, that's that's going to be so awesome to see, you know, your yeah. in, in live emotions and reflection mm-hmm. and, yeah, post-trail you know, depression or blues or whatever you want to call it. That's a real thing. Like that's, it's, you go on an adventure that's so long mm-hmm. and so taxing and you come home and don't know what to do with yourself. So that's absolutely always important to hear from people on these adventures. Cause I, I don't know. I don't, I, th- I don't think it gets the attention that it deserves. I, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. Cause you know, it's, it's awesome to hear these stories on this show, but we don't always get into yeah, my life sucked when I got back. I couldn't adjust, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it took it took three and a half months for me to adjust. It was nuts. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I believe it. I, I remember my first trip. I was at home laying in my old bedroom because I I had finished the trip at my parents' house, and I just thought, what what do I do now? Like, what it's over. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> but it's it's you know hopefully you can turn it into career you know if that's what you want, but. Well, perfect. Well, we'll we'll uh, put uh, links and stuff to the book, and uh, congrats on that. That's got to be a good feeling having published work out there. Yeah, absolutely. I'm actually writing uh, my second book right now, which is about the Great Plains Trail. Um, oh, so I'm kind of kind. I'm trying to showcase these lesser known trails a little bit more, give them a little more love. Um, that one's taking longer than I expected because I have a full time job now. When I wrote my first one, I didn't, so I had more time for writing. Um, it's getting there. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, maybe sometime next year that one will be available as well. Awesome. Awesome. So yeah, we'll, we'll just shoot us over some information on that and we'd be happy to share. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Yep. Well, Luke, thank you, man. I think, I think we covered everything and, uh, thanks for advocating. We're, we're looking forward to, to sharing. Thank you. I do what I can. I do what I can. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, man. Well, have a good day. You too. Happy trails. All right. You too. See ya. <laughs> First of all, thank you so much for listening to the episode. Uh, Secondly, if you would like to get in touch, you can leave us a voicemail at 812-MAIL-POD. You can also send us an email, info at adventuresportspodcast.com. Get a hold of us on Facebook, Instagram. Contact us on the website. Like, There's just a thousand ways to do it. If you know somebody that would make a good guest for the show, whether whether it's you or somebody you know with a really cool story or background or does an interesting sport, get in touch. We'd love to have them on. Also, if you'd like to be a patron, a.k.a. a supporter of the show, patreon.com slash adventuresportspodcast. 
You can sign up for as little as a buck a month. You can sign up for five bucks a month. And lastly, thank you to our sponsors whose messages follow right now. Go to athleticbrewing.com and use the code ADVENTURE at checkout to save 15% off the best tasting and lowest calorie non-alcoholic beer you're ever going to try. Don't forget to save $50 off a headset bundle at asp.aftershocks.com. It's my new favorite way to listen to music and podcasts and stay safe while I run and ride my bike. After all this adventure talk, if you need to go to a place and buy some gear and talk to an expert, go to backpacktribe.com. They can help you choose the right gear and they have the expertise and know-how with each piece of equipment. Now get out there and do something crazy. Also, Sway Hammocks, they are insulated hammocks, like having a tent, sleeping bag, and sleeping pad all in one. Check them out at swayhammocks.com.